We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Carlo Navas. And with me today, producer co-founder Brian Goins. What's up, guys? We are excited. It's a great day. It's a beautiful, sunny day. I went to the beach. I paddleboarded. I am ready to preview the NBA Finals. I can't believe we're saying that, much less in almost October. It's so weird. Also <laughs> with me today is our uh, Photoshopper and anime lover, Brass Jazz. What's up, everybody? Our professional screw-up, who you can also see his work on the Five on the Floor podcast with Ethan Skolnick, Alex Toledo. And joining us again on the program, Miami Heat luminary, Tony Fiorentino. What's up, guys? What's up, Tony? Thanks so much for coming on. I know it's a busy day. Thanks for making the time. Uh, But we know we have to have one of the premier voices of Miami <laughs> basketball on today. It's a big well, day. You know, I got I got a physical today, so to make sure my heart can take the finals. <laughs> I mean, did you, could your heart take the second round? Because even that game six, that fourth quarter, I was sweating. So, 
Did you pass a conditioning test? I think that's what we want to know. <laughs> there you go. Coach, could, could you, <laughs> Coach, you're you're a day one lifer, right? You you've been with the organization since year one. Yes. You I was on the Ron original Ross, coaching dude. staff. Yes. You and Eric too, right? Eric, Ron, uh, Eric Jose was the original, Ron Rothstein, uh, Jose Pineda. Second um, year, right? You know, he's been there from the beginning. Oh, his first one, yeah. Yeah, Jose. Andy Ellisberg, Jeff Craney, Sam Schulman. What about Chet Cameron? He, Chet Cameron's the secret to everything that's been happening. How long has Chet been there? Chet's been there since Pat Riley came with uh, Randy Fun. Randy Fun was his guy. He brought him aboard. First you know, general manager under Pat Riley. Let's kind of start there because what Chet Cameron has done with the with the drafting and the scouting, I think yeah. Heat Adam scouting Simon always, too. You have to also Adam Simon. Mention. Listen, oh yeah, Oof, sure. the gauntlet, the gauntlet of legends that have made this run possible. I mean, from the young guys from Tyler Hero to Bam Adebayo to the undrafted players, uh, even for Udonis, uh, everybody. Uh, Coach, where do you re- like what what we're going through right now has been absolutely incredible. This run has been as unprecedented, as surprising as thrilling exciting as validating as anything i can remember uh having been a fan since almost the year 2000 like where where do you rank what the hell's going on right now well andy ellisberg is a general manager as you know he's also heat original as i mentioned and i was speaking with andy back in october and if you recall back in october that everyone no one had the heat in the top five picks in the east in, uh, in, in, by record. There a lot of people had them six, seven, or eight. A few people had them out of the playoffs. And I said to Andy that in her, in her uh, program, in the Heat's program, just the people among the Heat, the goal was to be uh, have a first-round home court advantage in the playoffs. So that meant you had to be in the top four. Okay? And at the time, everyone loved Boston, Toronto, Philadelphia, and uh, Milwaukee, and no one gave the Heat a chance to be in the top four. Now, we know they wound up fifth, but that was just – They, they would have wound up yeah. fourth if they had to. And so what, what, what did it for me was um, the second game of the season, Heat went to Milwaukee without Jimmy Butler. His lady had a, a baby. His wife had a baby. He stayed home. He didn't play the first couple of games for the Heat. And the Heat went to Milwaukee and beat them in overtime without Jimmy Butler. And they kind of got an idea right there that something could be brewing here with this team. And then uh, when they got into the bubble, they kind of made a commitment to the situation. They mentally made a commitment. Look, we're here. I read today, I think it's 88 days now or something like that, that they've been in there. It's a long time to be away from your family, almost three months. But they made the commitment. And then, and they showed it on the court and there's a resilience and a, and a uh, never say die attitude by this team that reflects the coach, Eric Spolstra. And they go out and they don't care who gets the credit. They all take the blame when they, when they lose, they don't point fingers and they just come back tougher the next game. So um, in one way, you're surprised they're here, but in another way, watching them play, you're not surprised. I love the comments that LeBron today had on Eric Spolstra. I don't know if you saw those coach, but he just kind of went on. He was waxing poetically about how prepared Spo has those guys and how kind of the media narratives around Spo have been really unfair. And I think the job he has done with them, particularly defensively, has been absolutely monumental. I know that they've improved a lot on defense uh, since arriving to the bubble. They used to play a more drop 
kind of defense coverage and now they're switching everything they've played everything from zone to man to man to switching off ball actions to switching on ball actions and you're a coach can you talk a little bit about can you explain how difficult that is for a coach to completely change the way you play defense midseason well what's interesting is um most people who didn't get it about eric spolstra were pseudo experts who never coached they don't get it that's right. I've been I've been saying for years when I was on the broadcast that Eric Spolstra is uh, on a fast track to the Basketball Hall of Fame. If anybody thinks it was easy to win with the three All-Stars on the team, okay, LeBron, Bosh, and Wade, to think that that was easy, going against the Boston team that still had Hall of Famers, uh, they beat a, 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 a Oklahoma City team that had uh, Westbrook, uh, Durant and um, um, Harden, Harden. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to do all of that, beat a very good Indiana team to get to. I mean, all of that stuff. Every situation. Yeah, plus, the Spurs organization that had two Hall of Famers already. Well, and people forget that Coach Spolster coached two years before LeBron came. Mm-hmm. He had two teams of players that basically had one year contracts because Pat Riley wanted to be so far under the cap that he could he could sign the three All Stars in 2010. And he made the playoffs both years. And for me, I, you know, I was an assistant for four years on Coach Riley's staff when Eric Spolster was the video coordinator. And it's the assistant coaches that deal with the video coordinator. And you have to make scouting reports. you got to make videos for the coaches, for the players. Eric Spolster was always on the money with all of that stuff. And so we saw firsthand how smart he was. And for me, the defining thing for me when he first started coaching I knew how smart he was. I knew how bright he was. You, the, 75% of coaching in the NBA goes on behind the scenes. And the first decision that Eric Spolster had to make, if you recall back in 2008, when he be, his first year as the coach, we drafted Beasley, Michael Beasley, with the second pick. And so he had to go to Udonis Haslam. Here's a guy that he got to, you know, experience as a video coordinator, then assistant coach, now a head coach, one of the most beloved players in the history of the Miami Heat, okay? And he had to tell him to come off the bench, that Michael were better what Michael Beasley started. That right there showed you he wasn't afraid to make decisions. And so it doesn't surprise me that he'll go into a series or go into the playoffs and not play some guys who have been playing all year. Myers Leonard started how many games before he got hurt? 50. You go into the bubble, he doesn't start any games, right? you got to have a lot of conviction and, and a lot of confidence in yourself and your staff to make those decisions, knowing that it's all on the line. And he's not afraid to make those decisions. So I love that you brought up the Michael Beasley, Udonis thing, because kind of we have a similar situation, even in, in the bubble right now with, with Goran Dragic, Alex, and we talked a lot about this kind of prior to the playoffs. If if Spo was going to start Dragic, Kendrick Nunn had given them really good minutes all season long. Was a, was played really well off Jimmy Butler and Bam. And Alex, I remember us talking. I was very anti the decision to bring Dragic to the starting lineup because I thought he was so effective off the bench. How how wrong were we? Oh, we were so <laughs> wrong. We were, we're so absolutely wrong. wrong. I mean. <laughs> Honest, I still stand by the fact that Kendrick Nunn and Myers Leonard were really good as, you know, part of that starting lineup. But I think, like Tony's talking about, Spo made that decision for a reason, right? Like, I think it empowered them to kind of be productive and to get the most out of his talent throughout the regular season, throughout that grind. And now in the playoffs, when the, you know, rotation shortens, he knows, okay, 
I'm going to play a card here that they weren't really ready for. We're going to throw an extra, an, an extra ball handler, an extra shot creator into the mix with Dragic so they're not constantly just expecting, you know, the Jimmy Bam Duncan formula that we saw during the regular season. You throw Dragic in, into there, it, it, it gives them really an entirely new element to their offense that Kendrick Nunn wasn't bringing into the starting lineup, even though he was productive and made all rookie first team for a reason. Dragic gives them the pick and roll stuff. I mean, we were so wrong, man. Dragic has been their third all-star and he absolutely has been well, deserving of that starting lineup. You made a mistake. You made a mistake that most people make. Okay, nobody knows their We're team. pseudo-experts. We're, yeah. we're the pseudo-experts you were talking about. <laughs> you, you, should, uh, you should get a pen, and you know, maybe you get paid for being a pseudo-expert. You know? but, <laughs> um, That's the funny. mistake that a lot of people make is that they evaluate a situation before it, let it play out and see what happens. Dragic was the leading scorer for the Heat in the first round. Jimmy Butler the second round. Bam, the third round. So the point is... So Tyler is going to be a leading scorer in the final. Moses team. And a lot of people make comments or decisions on things. They're not in the practices every day. Coach Spolstra saw his team play practice every day. So he didn't just make a blind decision to, 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 to change things. He wanted to play a little differently. He wanted to cut down the, the rotation a little bit. Dragic in an 82-game schedule is not good to start. But in the bubble and in the playoffs – you see this, how good that decision was. And the best thing about the whole thing, not only did it work, but guys like Nunn and Leonard, they're the first guys off the bench rooting their team on. Yep. It's not, there, is no, there are no egos involved here. They're all in it for one thing, that championship ring. And once they get involved in it, it's it, all hands on deck whether you're playing or not. Well, Coach, think of think of Dragic. You know, he was in a lot of trade talks in the offseason. There was that report by um, by it was the Athletic. Woj. It was Woj. That, yeah, was it Woj or was it um, the Athletic? It, it was it's, it was Woj. But I mean, we had other reports that basically were confirming that the Heat were about to send him to Dallas. I mean, he was part of that Jimmy Butler trade originally before that trade kind of blew apart. Mark Cuban, I guess, was kind of confused at what the trade package was. They kind of expected. DJJ and Kelly Link to be part of that deal. The Heat weren't willing to give up those two players, and they basically had to go ask some other teams to help fulfill that sign and trade. And that's how we end up getting that Portland uh, three-way deal with uh, Philly involved. But to well, have, guys, when it comes to stuff like that, I believe half of what I see and none of what I hear. Oh yeah, totally. But I mean, even, even <laughs> if you're a player and you're in those rumors, I know you know. I think players have talked pretty openly about how difficult it is to hear your name, as professional as these guys are, and for Dragic. You know, to to go from that to accepting a role coming off the bench after he was an all star, after he was the the after Udonis, the longest tenured Heat player there, uh, and to do so gracefully and with the motivation to be sixth man of the year, um, you know that's that's just incredible on him, and I think that speaks to a lot of the stuff. Well, that there was Coach one, you- there was one prominent guy who said that the Heat should trade after their team for Westbrook. Oh, who? Trade Hero, trade Bam, trade all everybody. Chef Trilly? Who was it? Uh, I know it was, but I won't mention him. He's above that, man. Coach Tony's above that, Giancarlo. Come on. I, I know exactly who it is, and we won't say. But you know what, Coach Tony? You bring up a good point. It's actually something I kind of want to ask you, because obviously you've been around the team. You know their, their base leader history. Um, where does Dragic rank right now with this playoff run in mind uh, as in terms of one of the best point guards in Heat history? Well, I got a, um, I got a question from Barry Jackson on the Herald. The Herald. He wanted to know... Um, and it hadn't even dawned on me to think about it. You know, we always said the best point guard in Heat history is Tim Hardaway. And now Dragic is on the scene. This is before the playoffs. Right. And 
I love Drag- going Dragic. I remember when we were on the air, Eric Reed asked me when we made the trade, what do you think? I said, I love going Dragic because as an opponent and announcing the games, having been a former coach, I look at things a little differently than fans. I saw his toughness. I loved him when he played in Phoenix. When we got him, I loved that trade because he was—he came here supposed, because he was supposed to play with Wade and Bosch. And then Bosch went down with the blood clots. Right. And so it didn't work out quite the way Coach Riley wanted it to, President Riley. But, um, you know, they, I think when you talk about the two best point guards in need history, those two guys are heads and heads and, and, and tails above everybody, heads and shoulders above everybody. If Dragic wins a championship, Brass, like if, if Dragic wins a championship, does that do it for you? Um, uh, you've been around for a lot. You've been a fan. You've been a fan since the Ronnie Cycli days. So you, yeah, you're- I, I, I love, I, I mean, obviously Timmy is, is an absolute heat legend. Um, but it's two, it's two different teams, man. It's, it's two different sort of generations. It's really hard to say, but I, you know, I do, I do think that, that Dragic is right alongside him at worst is right alongside him, especially if they can get a championship out of this, because the way, the way that he has played recently has been remarkable. And, yes. and if you recall when, when, you know, when, when the heat made the trade, uh, you know, when they got Timmy, he was, I think, you know, a lot of people had sort of written him off a little bit at that point. You know, he was, you know, uh, and, and, and I think there's so a, about Tim. Yeah. 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 And I yeah, think he came I, off a major knee surgery in golden state. Right. And I think, I think, you know, Dragic's time is, he's really just kind of proven a lot of people wrong and he's just been amazing. And he's, well, you a- know, Slovenia is in Italy. I asked, uh, I asked him if he's got some <laughs> Italian in him. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, coach, I'm, Ita- I'm Italian too. My family, where's your family from? My family's from Naples. Oh yeah. My mom's are you, are family from the is north? from, from Ischia, the island off of Naples. You go Sorrento, oh, Capri, it. or Ischia with the hydrofoil. I've yeah. been there. <laughs> I yeah, miss listening, coach. My mom's side. My mom's side. Yeah. I, I I miss Italy a lot, coach. It's, I was supposed to go. I was supposed to go for summer, but obviously, uh, with the world the way it is, it had different. I knew plans. there was something else I liked about you. Yeah, <laughs> well, my name's Giancarlo. You know what I mean? John? There you go. So, so you know, my mom, my mom, my mother's namesake. Um, kind of look into the matchup between the Heat and the Lakers, coach. The thing I'm most comfortable with in this matchup is. I, we all know the Lakers are a great defensive team. LeBron James is obviously playing some of his best basketball of his career, even at his age. He's been absolutely outstanding. Anthony Davis, we all know the pedigree there. Uh, their role guys have really locked in. They've bought into what Frank Vogel's doing, right? They're, they're playing excellent. If I'm a Miami Heat fan and if I'm the coaching staff and I'm looking at the way that the Lakers defend, I think that it's a little bit different than how Milwaukee and Boston have done it in the terms of how they're going to defend their handoff offense and how the Bucks with Wes Matthews and Chris Middleton and Eric Blitzel were so aggressive and good going over screens for that Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo slash Tyler Hero handoff offense. And for the Celtics, they were very comfortable switching that. Other than Marcus Smart, they didn't really have a lot of guys to go over the screens. And I feel like that's why Duncan had, he was able to shake loose a lot more. When I look at the Lakers, I know that they're a good defensive team, but I look at that as kind of the weak point in their defensive the Heat can kind of play an east-west type offense, right? Going downhill against Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, that's going to be really tough. And we know Jimmy's going to be able to draw fouls and all that. But I think, Coach, the best, their best bet to run good offense is going to be to kind of grease their wheels with that handoff stuff with those kind of weaker perimeter defenders than they've seen so far. Well, if you put your coach's hat on, um, that was a good evaluation, by the way. Thank you, Coach. Uh, if you put your coach's hat on, I think... 
the main thing that he'd have to do in this in this uh, finals in this series is you want to make the Lakers play half court offense. Now let's backtrack now a little bit because you got your domino effect. You're talking about the the Laker defense. There's three things that the Heat would like to do on offense in this series. Have a good shooting percentage. If you miss threes, long rebounds. If the Lakers get out into the open court with Rondo and Davis and and, and LeBron with uh, Dwight Howard filling me or being a trailer going to the offensive boards, it's going to be a long night for them. Okay, so you want to shoot a good percentage. You want to get to the foul line. You slow the game down when you get to the foul line and you limit your turnovers. So it's a very small margin of error for the Heat. They have to play a very, very sharp game and a sharp series to, to, to be able to beat the Lakers in seven games. Now, you're playing the best player in the world. You're playing uh, the second or third or fourth best player in the world. So they're going to have the two best guys on the floor in every game. But with what the Heat has been able to do, with the way they move without the ball, you talked about going east-west. That's a good analysis. Getting good shots. You've got to bury the shots you're supposed to make. And that will slow them down a little bit. If you get those guys running and filling the lanes with their athleticism, the problem that their defense creates, I think, is a little different than the other teams, is that I think the Lakers are longer and, 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 and have great they have better length with guarding, which makes it difficult to pass because the arms are so long. You think about the LeBron with his arms out and, and Davis with his arms out. Rondo's so quick, he plays the passing lane real well. Things like of that nature, to me, um, I think that's where the ball fake, shot fake comes into play, where you got to freeze the defender and then make the pass. But I think if the Heat can get a good shooting percentage, get to the foul line, limit the turnovers, they'll have a shot in the series. What were the other two areas that you were saying? That was, that was one of the areas. Well, the main one of, was, I, I think, is you got to play in half court. Now, now, when you get them in the half court offense, now what do you do? How do you play them? Now, Eric Spolster been, has been very, very good throughout his career in coming up with a good defensive scheme. It's almost like, I think, like Belichick, Bill Belichick. What he does is identify the two best things that an t- opponent does every Sunday, and they try to limit their effectiveness, make them do something else that they're not as good at. Okay? Now, I think, I, I didn't watch a lot of the Laker games, but from what I read and from what I, I, some people have, have, have said, they, they weren't consistent shooting the three so far in the, in the bubble. So clogging the lane, maybe forcing them to shoot threes, then you got to get the offensive rebound. Um, playing zone, the concern will be rebounding the ball. You know, don't let them get, crash the, their offensive boards. Um, do you double team LeBron when he catches the ball? You know, there's, there's certain decisions that the Heat have to make. And the only, yeah, the only, well. Do you double you team at the Davis? You can't. Stop both of them. You can't contain both. Since he's a worse That's, passer I mean, than LeBron, the theoretically, you're not going to contain both. So maybe you focus in on one, knowing that the other one's going to go off. Okay. And um, I mean, that's just one option. You know, the Coach Bolsa will come up with a game plan. Hopefully that will help the Heat. If it doesn't work, then you got to change it mid game or you change it for the next game. He's only had a couple of days to prepare for this Monday and Tuesday and a shoot around on Wednesday morning. So we'll see what he wants to implement and how well his team can implement his game plan. 
So coach, the thing that I look like kind of historically what they've done this postseason is to contain guys like I think the big issue with LeBron is if he's going to have Codwell Pope or Alex Caruso or Rondo screen for him, get a smaller guy in that pick and roll and then he goes downhill. I think when that's that's kind of the danger zone for the Heat. But what I like what they can do there is kind of what they did on Giannis. Help early, help purposefully make that pass to the corner as hard as you can. And we know that the Heat defense gives up a lot of corner threes by design because they really play the strong side of the ball very, very well and very, very purposeful. And if Alex Caruso is going to hit you from the corner from three, and if Codwell Pope is going to do that, then I think that the Heat are going to be okay with that. As long as they send the help early, as long as they send it purposefully, I think they'd live with that result. No, the same thing they did against Milwaukee. I mean, you, you know, obviously you noticed in that series that they were playing, they're not sagging off, but they were giving uh, Brooke Lopez some of those open three looks by design. Well, you know, you got to pick your poison. You got to live with something. They're a very good team. You're not going to shut off everything. And, you know, the old uh, coach's axiom is whenever possible, don't let the great, the best player beat you. And so if you make the other guys make shots and they make them, then they're going to beat you. You know, so you got to you got to give them something. And so they're, they're there for a reason. Miami's there for a reason. Now, I'm sure their their uh, uh, focus is on. How do like you mentioned earlier? How do you play all the movement that the Heat give you with the backdoor cuts and the handoffs and all of those certain things? You know the ball handling of of, of Bam. Who's going to guard Bam? Um, it's probably going to be uh, if if uh, Dwight Howard starts, it'll probably be him guarding him. Then who does the, who does the Heat use to guard uh, Davis? Who does the Heat use to guard LeBron? Do they start in the zone? These are all the things that they have to resolve in their in their pregame pre uh, 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 preparation for <clears throat> before they get on the court with the players yesterday, and then see how the the approach goes by tomorrow night. And then, hey, if it doesn't work, you try something else for game two. That's what's great about Spo. He's so adaptable. One thing I did see, and I saw this number floating around, that the Lakers are scoring 0.9 points uh, per possession against the zone, which is not very good. Uh, but Miami zone is kind of weird because they play their guards on the back line and they yes. really stress the wings on the front. So what that what I'm worried about there is if the Lakers do get to play big and if Dwight Howard does get to stay on the court, that's a lot of offensive rebounding that, you know, it, it's kind of it's a hard ask to ask Dragic or Tyler Hero or 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 one of those guys to box, you know, guys twice their size pretty much. That, that'd be my only concern with well, their zone. The- the thing is, where where will the rebounds come off? You got your bigs crashing the boards from the perimeter, and the reason why there's two reasons why you do you play that way with your bigs up front because their arms they got longer arms, wingspan is good, makes the passes tougher, and your guards can rotate out a little quicker on paper to the corners and close out. And so you're right, though. I mean, anytime you play a zone, the concern is defensive rebounding. So. We'll see. And there's, good, there's in particular, though, because the guards are yeah, on the they're back very line. good offensive rebounding team, no doubt. But again, you can't take everything away. So you've got to figure out what you're going to give up. I think the Alex, biggest thing for Miami is probably forcing them to play small. If you have shooters like Kelly Olynyk, maybe if you bring back Myers Leonard this series, who knows? Um, trying to stretch out the floor with them on offense and maybe forcing the Lakers to play smaller. Oh, Olynyk, I, I think Olynyk will play a lot in this I series. I think this is an Olynyk series. I, th- I like. I like what he did against Brooke Lopez a lot. I mean, Brooke Lopez with that really extended drop. Take uh, him outside. Were, yeah. yeah. And, and, and well, I mean, Lopez wasn't. Lopez was stayed drop on that handoff or in that pick and roll, and it gave Kelly 
all the all the time to shoot. I don't. The Lakers are obviously not going to do that. Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard are a lot. They they don't have as rigid a, a defensive game plan as that. Uh, well, what Pratt, you said earlier about the Heat's about the uh, the Lakers pick and roll, the Heat have to decide how they want to play that. They may play it differently with different guys. Do you want to go under and force the jumper to take away the drive? Do you want to trap whoever? Who, let's say it's LeBron coming off a small. Let's say Rondo setting the screen on 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 uh, LeBron's man. Do you want to trap LeBron coming off? You know, and these are all the Give areas. Rondo that shot. You can't. You can't touch every area, you know, you can't control every area, but you got to have some kind of game plan with that. You know, I'm kind of scared of trapping LeBron, Alex. I think that no, I think I mean, you kind of go under and you kind of hope if LeBron wants to take the jumper. I mean, yep. he's one of the all time greats. So he takes the jumper. But, you know, I, I think you have to not let him and Rondo get in the paint. And if he's going to take a 20 footer and beat you, then you're the best player in the world. You beat us. Well, he's well, sure going to yeah. be nice to him. Don't don't say anything bad. Tell him how good he is. You know, don't get him upset. Because <laughs> we know when we had him here, it was great to watch uh, Wade and him. When they got upset, they played better. Some guys, you can take them out of their game when they get upset. They want to go mano y mano. Wade and LeBron, they just raised their game to another level and then what, killed you. What was that? What to, You were there during, obviously, during the whole big three. What was it like to to witness the the really growth of a player like LeBron? Because he he definitely, uh, I mean, he learned so much uh, being yes. in that in that system. What was that like? What did you notice? Well, I think there's another area where Spolster doesn't get enough credit. When when Chris Bosh came, for example, he encouraged him to go out to the three point line, and look what kind of three point shooter he became. With LeBron, he encouraged him to go into the low post. He didn't have that part of his game. He didn't want. He always wanted to play on the perimeter, and he's very effective that way. But why neglect one part of your game that can be effective? Now, that may come back to haunt him in this series, you know, if it goes small on him. But that's what you that. So he grew in that sense where his game got better. They worked on little fundamentals. And um, I think LeBron was a winner when he came to Miami. I think the Heat and the organization with Pat Riley and, and Coach Spo and all of them, they taught him how to be a championship winner. I know I, t- I say this all the time. I run the heat camps when we don't have the virus. And I, I tell them all that one of the examples I use a lot. I said the best thing that ever happened to LeBron was when we lost the Dallas in 11 because he didn't play well in that series. He was trying to please all his critics. And he even mentioned after that, the two weeks he like, he like boarded in a room and um, he, he felt sorry for himself. And then he finally decided, hey, I can't listen to anybody else outside the organization. I got to play my game. And that never happened again. The next two years, we won the championship. He was the MVP. So sometimes you have to take a step back and get bit a little bit, you know, get get a loss and learn from it and then come back. And that's, I think that's what made his career. That, that loss to Dallas and all the criticism, all the pseudo experts, okay, going at him. Pick, picking at him, um, I think that made him a better player. Tony, uh, speaking of the pseudo-experts, they've been at it again. They're picking the Lakers. They're not giving the Heat a shot. Yeah, well, what? Yeah, that's natural. Uh, who's going to pick the Heat to win the series? Yeah, and honestly, if we're being really honest, you just look at it on paper, and this might be the easiest team uh, LeBron has faced in the finals just because he's faced the Spurs and the Warriors over and over again, not trying to take away anything from this Heat team, which I do believe can beat the Lakers. 
But what I wanted to ask about here was, speaking of LeBron, you were talking about uh, Spo and the defensive game plans that he's thrown out. You even mentioned the 2011 Mavs series where part of the thing that threw LeBron off his game on, on, on offense was the zone. And obviously, I think there's a lot of comparisons that could be made between this Heat team from this year and that Mavs team. And going back to the defensive game plan versus LeBron, is it possible to have some way where uh, obviously in, in a broad way, they're going to want to crowd the paint and let the shooters beat you, but specifically to have a, dif- a different defensive game plan and different defensive principles for LeBron and for AD. So for example, like uh, we were talking, Giancarlo was talking before about whether or not you trap LeBron. I guess that's dependent on who the shooter is that you're leaving off. Maybe you do that for a Rondo Caruso, not for green. But at the end of the day, if whether or not you're trapping LeBron, they could do different things, right? They can kind of, uh, crowd the, the paint when they're doing the pick and roll stuff because when they're not running zone I think that's something, that, something that's going to be really really interesting is their pick and roll defense I don't really know how they're going to guard it if the Lakers are playing a big because Bam is you know uh, going to be on that big so they're going to have Crowder and Jimmy there matched up versus LeBron and Bam how do you think the Heat can win stylistically playing their bigs off the floor while also having a defensive game plan for LeBron and Anthony Davis yeah, well, you started out with the question, I think, is a good one. Um, you probably will play Davis a little differently with LeBron off the court than when he's on the court, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, the the problem is that LeBron probably will play 40 minutes. He's only going to be off the court for 8 to 10 minutes. you got to try to take advantage of that. And then when he's off, maybe you double team. You know, these are, these are all the questions that a coach has to go through with his, with his staff. They spent hours discussing everything. There isn't anything that a fan can suggest or a pseudo expert can uh, can can suggest that they haven't gone over and and mulled over and maybe put on a on a on a chart where look if this doesn't work let's maybe go to this that sort of thing. And um, it's a seven game series, not one game. It's a seven game series, so there's a little feeling out each other in the first game. That's why you don't get too excited about if you win one or lose one at the beginning. And then you see where it takes you for the next game and the game after that. But we know the resolve that the Heat have. We know how they come back. And we know that they're practically never out of any game. And I I said the same thing. Somebody asked me, do you think the Heat can win a championship? And I said, look, if they win three series to get to the finals, why not? There's only... There's 28 teams in the NBA that have no shot. <laughs> There's only two teams got the shot. And so you give it your best. You, you go out there and give it your best. It's been good so far. Coach, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. We are about to welcome in our friend of the show, Solomon Hill. Coach, on the way out, I need to ask you, you have liked a lot of this new Heat Twitter meme where they uh, do the face plant uh, on famous movie scenes and funny gifts. What I've is seen that? You like, I don't know. <laughs> it just kind of happened, but you're in on it, and we, we love that you're in on, on it. everything. Yeah, it's great. We love it. You are the mascot of Heat Twitter. You remember Mr. Ed, the, the talking horse? Yes. I don't want <laughs> my face to be on him next. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll get that. Erased. We'll get on that. <laughs> Coach, you are the best, sir. Thank you so much for joining Thanks, us guys. again. Hang in there, man. We'll see what happens. It's going to be you. exciting. Thanks, Coach. Well, you, you're the best, uh, you coach. got it. Ciao, guys. Can we get one final yeah, baby, on the way out? Yeah, baby. Let's get it. <laughs> Coach Luminary Tony Fiorentino, thank you so much for popping in. Got it. You've counted on restaurants all your life. Now they're counting on you. 
And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings the food that you've been craving right to your door. Ordering is really easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and the food will be safely delivered outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, the Cheesecake Factory, anything. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery as well. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order on $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and use promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you use the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget the code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Did someone say playoffs, NBA and NHL are playing for gold and our partners Bet Online have you covered? Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. We welcome in! The crossover master himself, friend of the show, Solomon Hill. What's up, my man? What's good, everybody? How you guys doing? How's it going, man? Listen, we said the last time you were on that if we make the finals, if the Miami Heat make the finals, you were come back on. That prophecy has been fulfilled. Congratulations, sir. Oh, man, appreciate it. Much appreciated. Solomon, I want to start with one thing. You're a badass, dude. You don't play a lot in the bubble. You You get a couple spot minutes. You don't really play much in the first two series. You come in against arguably the best team in the Eastern Conference, a team that ESPN and all these people were crowning the next generation of greatest thing ever. And you come in and you play dog minutes on defense. You were competing. You know that you had the best plus minus on the team and on off? Oh, no, I didn't know, man. I'm you're just, like plus, the yeah. heater plus 19 per 100 possessions when you're in the game. Oh, man, I just go out there. When I, I think one thing that uh, our team lives on is just, winning games, trying to, doing our best, you know, it's a lot of, when you're successful, um, you know, when you, when you win games, people can find a stat that to, to ride on. And, you know, st- to statistically, we're not supposed to be here. So uh, we have a belief in the locker room amongst each other um, and a lot of trust to just try to go out there and get the job done. Salma, why were you not shooting? There were a couple of times that you were open. You got that swing pass wide open on the wing and I stand up and I throw my arms up. I go, shoot it. And you pass out of it. It was a good play, but I really wanted you to. I, you're a good shooter, man. What's you're a good shooter? No, for sure. It was just um, situations where you know um, sometimes I just feel like the the best situation is probably get the ball to the guys that have have a rhythm um, at that moment. You know, knowing that my minutes were going to be like they were. Um, the huge part of what I was out there to do was play defense, and you know um, I was able to make really good plays. Um, and, you know, if something would have came to me um, in a better, in a different situation, for sure I would have shot the ball. Uh, but I, I was uh, lucky enough to, to be uh, the recipient of uh, other end of some good passes to, to a couple of good people. And, like, KO came in there and was able to uh, get a couple a couple shots yeah. up right off my, my passes. So 
uh, it was it was really great to just be out there. But I'll definitely be looking for my shot whenever uh, whenever I get it. You also can't show your whole bag of tricks before the finals. You're saving some stuff, right? I mean, that's, sometimes, that's sometimes, what you got to do. You can't, you can't show up on the scouting go report. There, you got to get, get it done, <laughs> whatever that means. You know, if a coach asks me to do something, go out there and just take charges all day, then if that's what's going to get us a... It sounds like it hurts. You know, it sounds painful. Hey, man. I, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I'll take it. It's for, it's for all the chips right now. You hit him with the cleanest pocket pass I've ever seen. I stood up. I yelled. I was like, that's my homie, Sullivan Hill. That clean-ass pocket. I think it was KO. was rolling to the rim. You got him in stride it was it was clean we love it man um so does does coach tell you like before the game like hey like expect some minutes today or is it just like hey solomon like you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna need some some minutes right now how, how does this work uh, it's all fluent you know i think when we approached every um series it's all all hands on deck you know um and that's how we approach this series is that you know game to game can be a, it can be totally different schemes and plans so we have a great mature group of guys that everybody um, is ready. Uh, It's really, it's a really great feeling knowing that we have a good age and good mix of guys that everybody's ready to contribute. You know, uh, Myers, KO, DJ, Kendrick, like when you look at the guys that we have on our bench, um, it's really cool uh, to be able to look around and trust everybody that you have on the roster. Solomon, I got it. So, when you're like in this in the huddle in game six, when did it become apparent that this was a wrap? Like, there's a moment th- th- like Bam's taking over that game. Bam is doing the stuff that had to be the Bam takeover, the, the, right? The superstar leap, right? Like, are, are you guys, is there a moment in the huddle where it kind of dawns on everyone, like, oh wow, like this is happening? Not really. Uh, not, I wouldn't say with, with a guy like UD, um, a guy like Dre, <laughs> they've been here. You know what I'm saying? So it's not. It's not over till it's over. You know, they've been in some crazy scenarios and situations. Um, and even some of the, the games that we've had, we've, we've been in situations where teams have Oh, my made God, some that Milwaukee or, you know, game where, where Jimmy exactly. threw, that, threw the ball in the basket almost. So we, we kind of got to a point where we were thinking it's, it's not over till, till it's done. Like, till we're in the locker room after the game, we can bring it, bring it in, and we know that that game is, uh, a game is won. And, um, that's how we just try to approach it is that it's not over till it's over. I have a question. Um, it was reported by the LA times, Dan Walkie sports at Dan Walkie sports. He said that Miami, Heat didn't want confetti after your, um, game six winning against the Boston Celtics. Was that true? Uh, I, I have no idea. Um, uh, but cause that was weird. Like we were wondering goal. why there wasn't confetti on the floor. Like the Lakers had it. We were mad that the Lakers got confetti think, and that we didn't You think Pat is making we, that we decision? Really you think Pat Riley's like, no. No confetti. Act like you've been there. I mean, I mean, I think it should just. I think it should go hand in hand that everybody knows heat culture. You know, uh, you know what what Pat wants to celebrate, and that trickles down from from him to any and everybody uh, within the staff and on our team. You know, we know what we want to celebrate. We know what we talked about when we, when they started the season and when I came. But um, yeah, we. I think that's that's the moment that you wait for, especially in the bubble. It's not like we're you know, it's like we're celebrating in the arena and all our fans, and that's kind of like our, our nod to our fans as well. But now that we're in a bubble, if we're going. I, I just feel like you know the, the confetti will, will come when it's when it's needed. So you mentioned UD earlier, and that honestly made me think about the that moment the other night. I think it was Game Five. Uh, it really they showed him on national TV, just kind of in that huddle, 
it was really going at you guys. I think yeah, you guys, in the third quarter, in the third quarter. Yeah, yep. there, there, there was a, a struggle in the third quarter, and it, you got one of those classic UD speeches. What was it like being in the middle of that? We we know it's a storied thing, right? Like they've they've kept him on because of the, the impact that he has as this uh, kind of coach on the roster. What was it like to see UD in his element like that? And and how did it empower the team going forward? Because I I really do believe in the effect of that. No, that's that's uh most definitely. You know, it's the same reason why I just said we have guys like UD, you know, guys like Dre on our team. Now, uh, because when you have guys that's been there and that's been through uh, the mud, they give you a calm feeling. It's kind of like going. It's that feeling like when you go to you, you and your friend go to somebody's hood, you know, and you don't know nobody over there. You know, it's just kind of like, all right, well, you know, what I'm saying, you said we, you think we safe, and you just kind of looking at each other like, man, well, we don't know, and you just you, you walk the streets. But it's a different feeling when you go to your best friend's hood and he's good. Like, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, this is, these are my people. And that's how UD and Dre makes us feel about this stage. It's like, man, yeah, I, I, UD looks at us and like, yeah, you guys, you guys are, we all hungry here. You know, we can get it done. And it just, it gives that belief to every single body. Like every person on our team is just like, yeah, if these guys have seen it and they've done it at the highest level, then we can do it. And um, they really add in, in UD's words, everybody listens. You know, it's different from like uh, the coaching standpoint, but it's that real, I'm in the trenches too. Like we, we add it every day in practice and I see it, you know, I can't want it more than you guys want it. And it's like, it's really a kick in the ass and, and it keeps us straight. It keeps us like a straight and narrow and, and puts it together when we need it. All right, Tom, and I have to ask a question that obviously everyone in the NBA wants to know. I want to know the inside workings of Big Face Coffee. Have you bought, have you purchased coffee from your T-Bay Jimmy Butler? Hmm. Who, who's, uh, who's bought the no, most coffee, I, actually? It has to be Goran. I bet Good it's Goran. Good question, Brian. Good question, Brian. This is Gogi. It's probably Gogi, for sure. Um, yeah, he made me a, a mocha. Oh. Um, I, bought a, I bought a mocha from nice. him. Yeah, it's a... Uh, did you go small, coming, medium, or man. large? For what are the hours of operation? Large, you're making a large one. I'm, not like the I'm doing 20. I'm going to do, do the large one for sure. So is it, does, yeah. is, does he accept Apple Pay? Uh, no, no, Apple Pay. Cash only. Cash only. Damn, cash, cash only. only. What are the hours of operations of Big Face Coffee? Yeah, because Goran had like a, a live, no, it wasn't live, it was an Instagram story where he was like trying to get coffee, I think around like 10 p.m. And I guess his door was closed. Goran can't be drinking coffee at 10 p.m. Yeah, I think like that's... <laughs> I, the thing about Big Face Coffee is, it, is it's an experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't have hours. It's a cash only because it's kind of like if you're walking past and it just happens to be open and you have cash <laughs> on you, it's like okay. you, you're just like you're a chosen one that day to get your Big Face Coffee. And that's what makes it, I'm telling you, man, it's a, it's a, it's like a pop up it, shop. It's a rarity. It's, yeah, man, it's, it's really cool. It's, if you if you see it, you know you might want to grab three coffees. Man. You, you save it. It's sixty else. bucks. Yeah. Is there an ATM? What are the ATM fees? At Disney? <laughs> you know about to be recent. Is there branding on the cups? There is has that, to be Jimmy, branding. Does Jimmy have branding on the cups? Like you know, how Starbucks has a little Starbucks logo. Is there is there a little logo? It's it's basically like the Supreme logo. Everything's like super hype. Yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah, he's 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 logo. He's official. He's certified with it. So is he, is he, yeah. he keeps on under wraps like what Beans uses, right? He's not, he's, yeah, he's it's not like, that no, secret no, like, If you know, you probably signed like an NDA or something. So <laughs> speaking about it. Is Jimmy claiming this money? Is he filing this to the IRS? I think that's the question that Jimmy, does Jimmy has oh, to be come, careful? Come on, man. What are you doing um, right now? They all come, lot- they all come, they, it's all actually, it's like in the fine print on the, like on the back. <laughs> it's like, it's all, it's tips. We accept all offers as tips. So, <laughs> oh, wow. So Jimmy good. got an yeah, accountant on this. Man, that's why good. he's smart. That's why he's the leader. Big face coffee, man. It's a real thing. 
So Solomon, I've heard uh, Duncan Robinson has been on Zach Lowe's podcast and other pods with Ronan Shelburne and everything. And he talked JJ about- JJ Reddick too. He's he's their correspondent. Yeah, he's So Duncan's talked about after after playoff wins and in the a downstairs bar, Goran, Myers, and Jimmy will enjoy a cold one. Do you- do you ever indulge with with the vets down there after after wins? What's it like? No. Paint the picture for us. Do you know what's crazy is that I didn't even know that we were at that everybody was at the spot yesterday. <laughs> Wait, I kind of was like, oh, no. I came back to my room and was like talking to my dad. And, uh, <laughs> oh, you weren't at the NBA Finals media availability. Oh wait, no! I'll, I'll tell you something. Like when you no, talk about, like, about the part, I'm talking about the celebrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The celebrations. So every like majority of the people in the family went down to the to the middle uh, oh, to okay. eat, and I kind of just went to my room. I wanted to shower up and just kick it, but I was just taking it in and talking to my dad about it. Um, and it's crazy because like I have a really good relationship with Dan. Uh, like he does, Dan does everything, and I asked him. I was just like, "Yo, can you send me?" like all of their last game series um, on video and then their Houston series games. And then I was just kind of spitballing ideas with him. And I was just, I'm gonna go to sleep. I'm probably gonna get some golf in in the morning. Like, I, and then in the morning when I was, when I saw Duncan and everybody, they were like, and we were golfing, I was just like, oh, when well, I didn't see Duncan in the morning, but I was like, oh, he was like, yo, where were you last night? I was in my room sleep. Like, I know I had to get up for a tea time. So he was like, oh, everybody was in the middle. I was like, whoa, shit. I didn't know. <laughs> I was just in the room talking to on the phone with my dad. Uh, but uh, no, nah, I'm not. I'm you know trying oh, to I'm still. I got goals within my uh, with my body fat. I'm in, I'm in a good place, but I'd like to be in a in a great place. I'm trying to get that UD look where it just oh, looks like hell yeah. I've never gained weight ever in my. What life. do we all want to have that look? <laughs> Must be nice, Solomon. Yeah, man, Must be nice. I'm just trying to. I'm just uh, so I was just water uh, at this moment. <laughs> Big water chugger, you know. I tell Myers if I get down there, I chug one. We get that. Hey, we get the confetti. I I told Myers I chug two with him, but uh, yeah. But um, yeah, for now I'm with Efren. Just drinking do water. Y'all, do y'all tease Tyler that if you guys win the championship, he's technically not allowed to drink. He can't. He can't drink the champagne if you guys open it. Yeah, uh, like that... just smell the bubbles. Just smell the bubbles. He just, yeah. He's gonna get it in his eye. Get some apple cider. Do you have goggles it'll, ready? It'll, it'll, just mo- in it'll, case. Mo- it'll motivate him to get to get back there again. Ray yeah, Allen. Sure. Ray Allen talked a lot about wearing goggles because the champagne hurts your eyes. Are you guys just in case? Are you guys prepared? Do you guys have goggles and eyewear? Right now, I think we're just prepared for game one. You know, that, um, that's something like that's up, that's after game four, G. That's after game four. That's right. When when they're up, when they're up three. Yeah. yeah. Once the ropes come out, that's when that's when you start preparing. Just want to go out there and get get the get the game one. On the topic of Duncan Robinson on the JJ Reddick podcast, he mentioned how mm. he was thinking about getting full sleeve tattoos. Reason being because he thinks it might help him not get attacked as much on defense, and it would gain him more respect. Is that something he's brought up to you guys on the team? And what do you think Wait, about that's, that? That's not real. That is not. <laughs> is real. that real, Brad? Yes, real. it is not absolutely real. real. Oh my god, he that's said, amazing. He said he wanted to get full sleeves for what reason? Um, because he thinks it might help him get more respect. Um, I guess in terms of like getting respect from you other NBA what? peers. And then also it might help him uh, not get attacked as much on defense. Solomon, how bad are those foul calls? Duncan wow. Robinson is constantly getting those fouls. You don't have to comment. I don't want to take away from your wallet. Well, but um, you know what? That's Duncan. You know, um, it's it's weird because the one thing that the, the NBA has proven to be like a a respect type of league, and Duncan has he surprised many um, around the league that don't know him. 
And so I think he he's coming to understand that he will like that respect will be earned by him. You know, I tell him all the time that you you know you have to communicate with these refs um, and let them know build that relationship because you're the best shooter uh, in the it, league. It, it, Say it well, exactly. in the league. Like, that's what I tell him. He's the best shooter in the league. He is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I tell him, like, it's, it's not. I sent you a stat. Um, I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't DM you much, very much, Solomon. But when I do, no, I, I well, send you very, very important from, from things. Always and the that. one I sent you, I, I hope you relate us to Duncan at some point, maybe after the series is over. But Duncan Robinson, Pereira Christian Hernandez, has become the third player in NBA playoffs history, 26 years or younger, to shoot 40% plus from three and at least seven three-point three attempts per game while reaching the NBA Finals. The other two players... Were Steph, Steph Curry back in 2015 and Clay Thompson in 2016. Well, it's the crazy thing about you know when I first met, like when I first met Dunk and being able to watch him up until we came into the bubble. That's like I kept saying the same thing, but it got to a point where I see how Dunk is wired, where Dunk doesn't care about that, and that's why he. That's why he, that's who he is. That's why he he is who he is because. He don't care about what people say, what the stats say. Like he's sharpening his tool every single day. It doesn't matter about what he's done over the span of a full season. He's like, how the f- did I shoot it today? You know, and if I didn't, okay, I need to get this. I need it needs to be like this every single game. And that's what has allowed him to be who he is. And he's harder on himself more than anybody. He actually, it'll take him, I don't know if he ever, and I hope he never, he, he's never like it. Um because I want him to just keep being like that. I want him to just, that's his thing. It's just that uh, I don't give a f- these, what people say about how good a shooter. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. I just want to go out and do my job. And that's what's dope about him. And on defense, he'll get that respect too. You know, he's going to get that respect of being like, Hey man, he's a scrappy guy on defense. Everybody's trying him. Like everybody wants to try him, but he gets kills. He yeah. gets stops for our team, and mm-hmm. it's huge. He played huge fourth quarter minutes in that game six, and he, they basically took off Gorn the entire quarter. After, after I think after the first couple of minutes, they subbed him in, and then he played the rest of that game. That was huge for you guys. Get, he will get. He'll get. He'll get more comfortable on defense. I think that's what it is. Once he gets comfortable, because he's guarding. The crazy part about it, me and Jerry was telling him, you're guarding the best players in the NBA every night. If anybody's going to have the inside track to how to guard these guys, it's going to be you. Because everybody, you guarded Jalen Brown, Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, like Gordon Hayward. Like you've guarded everybody on their team, even Indiana Series. Everybody's tried you. Giannis has tried you. Chris Middleton has tried you. You're getting the opportunity that some players never get. You have the opportunity of guarding every single score or person on the team. And that's only going to help you when you continue, you know, year four, five, six you're going to have a better feel for it defensively. Um, but his strides that he's made this year has been huge for us. He's incredible. And like, I, there was a, there was a certain moment in that fourth quarter where he hit a three on one end and then he broke up a lob play on the other. And for a second, I thought it was Tyler. Cause Tyler's a guy that gets in on rebounds. He's, he jumps higher than anyone thinks he, he's really in that. And I was like, Oh shit, it's Duncan. Like, I, dude, that's, yeah, no, that's Culture. that's dunk. That's no, dunk, man. The team has the guts, man. And that's the coach, like you said, that's coach. Dunk is bought in. He, he's all he's all in, and, and that's all you would want from anybody in here. Tom, and like the one thing I've marveled that this team has been the transformation on defense. Before you and Jay and, and Andre got there, it was a lot of drop scheme defense, and now it's been a switch everything. You guys have played 
more conventional way against Indiana. You guys played a lot of man. You guys played zone. You guys played a little bit of everything against the Bucks. A lot of loading the strong side of the ball. A lot of switching. A lot of different stuff. And yeah, then the, the Celtics. Wall, yeah, was, they built the wall basically. The too. wall. And then when you're playing the Celtics, you're doing lots of switching. You're playing lots of zone. Like, I really wonder as a player, and I know we know how great Spo is. Like, what's that like to just be like, all right, this is the game plan. It's completely different from last time. That's what being a part of P culture and being a part of playing back, playing the game of basketball, that's when it really matters. Um, I've had this, just this thought since I was a kid, winning an NBA championship on my terms, how I wanted to win it, whatever stats that I thought, you know, whatever records I thought I was going to do to get to it. Um, but when you want to win a championship, you have to be selfless. You have to be well, ready and willing to give something other than yourself to the game. And that's what is that's what it's been like on this team, you know. Um, and everybody's bought in into just being just just being open. So if coach says, This is what we're doing, this is what we're doing, you know, and we have <laughs> the capacity and the ability with guys and movable parts to being like, okay, if we want to do this, this is who's going to be out there because it's the most effective. And everybody, even the people on the court and the people off the court are all connected as one of being like, if this is what we have to do to win, and this is who it takes, a part of our, of our culture of people, and it, and it wins us games, we're all in. And so it's so much easy to just listen to coach. If the coach is like, hey, this was going to be, this would be successful, and he, and he draws it up, we execute, and we find success. And that's the relationship that you would want um, playing the game of basketball. Tell us when you had the best coach in the league. There you go. I don't know if we mentioned this with with Tony. I don't know if you saw LeBron's comments today, but just completely we're singing Eric Spolster's praises in a way that I think it's I mean, you 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 this is your first time with the heat. Like what's you know, I think player rep I think like kind of coaches' reputations with players are really important, you know, especially when guys are deciding where to go and everything. LeBron spoke flowers about Eric Spolster. Like, what was your perception of of kind of this coaching staff before you got here? Like, what's the reputation? Like, I, I just wonder, like, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but, like, I, I, I just, like, we as fans, like, we're about to pull. Like, we know, we think he's the best guy in the league. No, um. Basically, LeBron said weird. that he deserves his, he basically deserves his respect and that it's really the media's fault that he's not considered one of the best coaches in the league over these last few years. And he was talking about how hard it was to coach three all-stars in LeBron, Wade, and Bosh at the time. Um, you know, it's crazy because uh, no one's supposed to, like, <laughs> He don't give a <laughs> I'm sorry because, but <laughs> Coach Spo doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't really care, man. He doesn't care about none of that stuff. Um, I think that's the thing that I think that's the thing that most that I didn't know. That that was the thing about Miami is that you lacked real knowledge about about the situation. So you just thought they were afraid, like them. Um, you know, you're going to the Pat Riley test. I did it in college, and I was like, wow, this is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my Wait, life. Wait, what's that? What, explain that. Oh, so it's just a conditioning drill. So basically you just, you know, you're doing sprints, um, um, full length of the court. And so everybody changes it. So I know in college we did it where we had to do 10 touches. So, and then you have a certain amount of time that you can, that you have to do that testing. Um, it's like wing guards, bigs, and you have to, you can bank time, but you have to fall within that time. So if you have to do it in 56 seconds, you know, you all your like your sprints, uh, all four sets that you do it, it has to be in those 56 seconds. If it's over, 
probably got like what we call it hell week. So you got a whole week of extra conditioning and then you may have to retest to see if you pass. Um, that sounds like it sucks. No, it, it, but it does. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's how it works, right? But there's a reason I, for it. Like, I know, mean, that helps you guys because like, look at like how you guys played in the end of the fourth quarter. It seemed like you guys had that extra energy to make that run. Mm-hmm. And it, what it does is, I mean, it tests your mental too. Our, and when I say that we have guys that are happy for one another, whether they're playing or not, if you can't give yourself up for a little bit of cardio, a little bit of a little bit of out of like uncomfortableness, if you can't be, you know, if you can't have your win taking, if you can't be at your weakest point, what makes you think it's going to be you're going to be okay when you're not, when you don't think you're part of something bigger than yourself? Um, and it's one day, it's one event, it's over. If you're in Miami Heat shape, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. Um, but, Do they still keep the body fat chart in the bubble? Is that still a thing over there? I know that that in the facility they have that, but did they bring in that the to locker the room? Right. If you guys know Miami Heat culture, <laughs> you guys wouldn't have to. So there's certain questions that answer themselves. That shit doesn't escape I, you. Not even in the bubble. You don't get a fucking break. Not during the playoffs, man. Are yeah, you kidding dude. me? You don't need a break. It's no break from what? You, it's no break from success. You don't uh, take breaks from success. You don't, don't do that. Me. That's. Don't let, no, you don't, here in Miami, he coach you, you don't take breaks from success. You do the right thing every day. All right, Solomon. Might I do have... some push-ups after this. Yeah, oh, get out of here. <laughs> I ran this morning. It was so hot outside. I wanted to die. I was like, ah, oh, this humidity. And this it's, it's cool now. This is like the cool, you're, you're missing our cold front. It's like oh, 90 today. Um, yeah. Solomon, I got to ask you. Last time you were on, I gave you some, uh, I gave you some anime recommendations. Hmm. Did you hit any of them? Were you too busy? Going to the NBA yeah, finals? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, okay. Not yet. So, uh, I'm still so just, uh, one more. Only thing. Only thing I've added, added was a uh, guy of high school. I saw you tweeted the GIF. Uh, a lot of soccer going that way. Uh, our listeners like want want your review on that. By the way, a lot of people in our Discord chat. You know what? The, the thing that I'm I'm gonna have to under like I'm not gonna understand. It's just it's weird. It's like the webtoons. Yeah, those Korean, those so Korean comics. Those, it's, it's different because it's supposed to be like the. It's going to be like the next big thing, um, and so it's just like getting into that. It, it's a little different, um, but <laughs> I like the anime. I'll take it. Uh, uh, but I still have my list. I'm waiting. Okay. Um, I'm waiting. I, I got it. Listen, yeah, when you watch them, I, you got it. I want to review anime with you. I, I was very oh, no, excited. Definitely. We got definitely. to man. We got to. Um, have you done yeah. the Snapchat anime filter yet? Oh, I have Snapchat. Yeah, I don't have Snapchat either. So I haven't I tried like, it, but I've seen people who like change their avies, and it, it seems pretty cool. I have to check. I'm at the. I don't have Snapchat. Look out, Brass, Do you have Snapchat? I I I do, but I don't I don't use it. I you're do. the you're I, the I, old I, guy. I look you're at the, the oldest filters. one here. Oh wow! It's, yeah, but the, I like doing the filters with the kids and stuff like that. But I never I've never posted a single thing on yeah, Snapchat. See, that's, yeah, see, that's cool right there. The kids <laughs> like it. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's right. Um, now, admittedly, uh, I am not. A a uh, an anime fan, I guess. Um, no, although we're trying to I, girl him. It's 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 been a, a struggle in the process. I so, but I I asked. I lost a bet with with Johnny um, about the Heat making the playoffs a, a few years ago, and they missed. So he gave me. I'm like, you can give me an anime to watch, and I'm gonna do it. And I live tweeted and everything. And uh, he chose the worst one ever. I don't know. Have you seen Scum's Wish? Is that have you ever heard of that? That's some obscure kind of stuff. I just, for the record, I just don't want you to experience that. So just avoid that one. <laughs> I gave him uh, okay. something, you know, like anime can get weird sometimes. So I was like, how can I make brass 
as uncomfortable as I can. Oh I was, wow! And that's <laughs> I just I was, pick I, was, I pick something that I just aired. <laughs> I see a little bit of it. I go, this is it. This I'm gonna I'm going to make this hell for him. Do you, do you have do you have a recommendation for a, a if you're like the one one anime to watch for someone who doesn't really care for it when they've seen it? Um, I know what you're gonna say. Probably Dragon Ball Z. No, if he doesn't really care for it, though, I would say it's crazy. I would probably say Hunter Hunter. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. Yeah, I'd say Hunter Hunter yeah. because like I like uh, the Chimera like arc yeah. and it gives you like, it gives you just sometimes more than just anime where it's kind of like, even if you don't care for it, it's still it's still like more. It's grown. You know, it's uh, it's it's fun. it's just cool. I really like that one because and then you get to see Gone like go uh, go crazy on them but yeah i think that i think you should do hunter hunter well i'll tell you this if 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 you win the nba finals i will watch that for you because i let's i, I go. respect let's you let's go you we have a commitment folks you're listen, man, you're a once, once listen i'm not i'm not jinxing you or anything but what if you guys are end up holding the trophy if there is confetti and champagne and gold plating you got to come back on we got to keep the tradition going we gotta we gotta we gotta keep this going man I appreciate your yeah, time. You are, for sure. dude, you're amazing. You are as kind and as generous as anybody. Oh, I have Thank one you. question. I really want to go. go um, I don't know. Are you aware of any of these like Riley um, folklore stories that Spo has kind of taken from him during like certain situations and like the playoffs that he likes to bring up to kind of motivate you guys? Are you aware of this one particular one? It's called the burn the boat story. Mm-mm. Okay, they maybe we shouldn't tell yet. you. Maybe we, we shouldn't have, tell they you. They haven't faced elimination, Brian. They okay. have. Listen, we're not yeah. going to spoil Solomon if there's yeah, a we're not going to spoil story. it for you. <laughs> but if it does happen, Think I want you to tell us in the podcast when it does happen. <laughs> the Bernie the Boat story is a cl- that is a heat Twitter classic. That is a uh, that is a, the Pat Riley special. Dwayne Wade has heard it. I think on record he said like five times that he was bored of it. I'm not sure the series is going to go that long. Listen, they haven't well, faced elimination. If you guys haven't played from, oh, you know, last thing, because uh, by the way, our Discord server, and you could join our Discord server. All the links are in the description of this podcast. If you want to get in on our community, you go to the description or on our Twitter and you join the link to get in our Discord. We're having tons of fun, especially during game days. Uh, but our Discord kind of wanted to ask, like, okay, you play with AD in New Orleans, and now you're going to play him in the finals. Like, is that something that's played for Frank Vogel? But, but yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so. Uh, like what's what's kind of like chat wanted to know like kind of what was that what's that going to be like for you? <laughs> I said Man, I'm, I'm doing the chat I mean, of service. I, I wondered about that. <laughs> I don't care if my mom was on the other team, bro. This is for all the chips. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, it's it's crazy because I can I'm, I'm imagining my mom in, in the one of the jerseys. I'm still going hard, so. It's for everything. This is everything I've ever thought about was like when I was a kid. So, you know, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) I love it. My man, you're in the morning. Culture for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I I love it, man. My man, you are the best. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for everything. We wish you the best of luck. And by the way, listeners, you could. Watch our post-game streams at twitch.tv slash MIAHeapy. We are live after every single game, every single game in the finals, to now and beyond. Join us for having tons of fun on our Twitch channel. Also, we upload our VODs uh, also on Twitch and to youtube.com slash C slash Miami Heapy. So check out everything there. Obviously, you're subscribed to the pod. 
And if you're listening on YouTube and you found it, then come on, come on, Apple, come on, Apple pods, go on Spotify, hit that subscribe. Solomon Hill's going to come back on so you can hear more of him. Coach Tony, thank you so much. Friend of the show, crossover master Solomon Hill. We appreciate it. Man, appreciate you guys.